Parshas Shoftim. What we would like to do tonight is to pull back the curtain and reveal the big picture theme of the Parsha, the master plan of the divine author here in the Parsha. How does the Parsha come together, coalesce around one big idea and ideal? And let's bring that ideal alive and make it relevant and resonant, Labadek as a Torah Schai. So to begin, we live in an age of irreverence towards authority, towards political authority, to parents, to educators, and arguably this is nothing new. Since the revolution of the 60s, when social institutions and accepted mores began to corrode, Derek Harrods and reverence to authority is under attack. Now, Torah Judaism presupposes reverence to authority. Most of all, the authority of Hashem, but by extension, the other authority figures, parents, rabbeim, teachers, rabbanim, dayanim, who are... Exhibitions, you might say, of the divine. As the Gemara tells us, when you are mechabed these authority figures, you are in turn being mechabed Hashem. It's a very difficult mandate, reverence towards the leadership in today's day and age. And especially when there have been exposés of horrible scandals on the part of the leadership. We've all lost our innocence more and more as it becomes apparent that the leadership is far from virtuous. As we see power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we all would like some of that healthy, almost childlike innocence. When you were a child, you believed. The parent, the teacher, the rabbi, the rav knew what they were doing and certainly had your best interests in mind. That is our association with Hashem, the ultimate authority figure. We want that pristine, Innocence renewed. Reverence towards authority on one hand and renewing our confidence in authority on the other hand, this I suggest is the big picture theme of the Parsha. Because Parsha's Shoftim from beginning to end deals with judges and really law enforcement and the entire jurisprudence system. It begins with Shoftim Veshochem, the mandate to appoint local judges. And then it speaks about a Supreme Court of Sanhedrin and the Beis HaMikdash. It speaks of Veshochem, policemen as well, Zakanim, elders of the court. And you will see throughout the parasha, it speaks not so much of Mishpatim individual laws, but rather Shoftim the system. When it talks about how we scrutinize witnesses and Adam Zomerman and the like, you will see that this is true literally from the beginning of the parsha all the way to the end. So, for example, just as our parsha begins with Shoftim and Shotram, judges and policemen, you will see those terms dotting throughout the parsha all the way to. The end of the parsha, 
the final mitzvah in the parshas Eglarufa, the decapitated calf, when there's a crime scene of a murdered body and an, an atonement needs to be achieved. So first of all, we're dealing with a crime scene, but moreover, you see how the Pasuk here in the Eglarufa passage speaks about Ushfotecha, your judges. And a little bit earlier, we have a passage in the parasha about the way the Jewish people wage war. And you notice here in Parachaf Pasukas, it speaks about the shotrim, the policemen, echoing of the phrases earlier in the parasha, shoftim and shotrim. And likewise throughout the parasha, this is a parasha all about law enforcement, all about blue lives matter, you might say, but moreover, our lives matter. So the Jewish blue lives, the shoftim, the shotrim, better be respected. And the Torah could not have done a better job in ascribing power and reverence towards the Pesdin. You dare not veer from what the Sanhedrin, from what the judges tell you. So much so that this Puskim is midrashically read, do not veer from what they say, Yom and Usmo, right or left, even if it seems to you that they're off base. They say the right is left, the left is right. Still you trust them and you ascribe fault to yourself rather than the best. And there's a fundamental faith in the virtue of the judge's position. And we bow our own judgment and logic in front of the Sanhedrin's judgment. To me, this is almost a faith in the judges, which borders on faith in the Devon. It is towards Hashem that we bow and subordinate our judgment. Hashem does not make sense to us, of course. That is the perennial question. Nothing makes sense, but Hashem knows better. Well, we act that way towards a pestin. They are Hashem's representatives on earth, as much as they are going to be imperfect as people, but the office comes with that almost divine reverence towards it. And perhaps this is reflected as well in the halacha in our parasha that the, that the Sanhedrin is supposed to s- assemble in the Beis HaMikdash, as the Pasuk says in the parasha. Min ha-makom ha-hu asher yivchar Hashem. The Sanhedrin judges... From that very place, from the Makam Hamikdash, which was introduced in last week's parsha, Parshas Re'eh, the Sanhedrin sits in that Makam Hamikdash. Why is the Sanhedrin sitting in Makam Hamikdash? Well, the Makam Hamikdash has the aura of the divine. The Sanhedrin is sitting right there, as though they are speaking with the authority of the Shekhinah. So, really, all of the provocation of Everything we seek to, many seek to reject in the modern age. Do the judges know what they're doing? Does the Supreme Court know what they're doing? Are parishes ascribing this divine, like mikdash, like shechina, like reverence to the, to the Sanhedrin? And it is not only the Sanhedrin. I would suggest that our parsha is really by extension permeating an aura of reverence around all authority figures. And I see this because our parsha does not limit itself per se to judges. It introduces the concept of the melech, the Jewish king, and tells us we must 
respect him. It speaks about the right of the rights of the Kohanim, the gifts the Kohanim are entitled to, and in turn the rights they have in Mikdash worship, want to worship, and the like, do the Avoda. And it speaks about the Navi, the Jewish prophet, and how he needs to be obeyed. The superficial reader of our parsha might become confused. The parsha here has shifted from judges to king, the authority of the Kohen and Navi. But the answer is, as we're saying, judges are really only the beginning. The issue at hand here is authority figures in general. Not only the judicial branch, but the executive branch as well, as reflected by the Melech. And the religious branch as well, the religious leadership of the Navi and the Kohen, too. Our parshas more broadly, it seems to me, when we kind of feel its pulse and get a sense of its direction. It is expanding upon this thing of the Shoftim, but I would argue it's expanding upon the almost divine aura, which infuses the Sanhedrin's proceeding, and by extension telling us that all Jewish figures of authority are revered almost as manifestations of the divine. Because as we know, Hashem is not per se conceivable, or is not truthfully in any sense conceivable to us. We use human equivalents of the divine to deal with him. We say, Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king. We think of a human father. We think of a human king. You need this sort of reverence for authority figures to in turn into it Hashem. So the almost divine-like reverence of these figures in, tor- in turn will formulate your consciousness of Hashem. This perspective, which I am suggesting, that the holding of the Sanhedrin up to a pedestal as divine representatives is in turn being expanded to the other authority figures in our parsha is perhaps reflected by an elegant textual pattern. And that is, you will note in the parsha, there's a repetitive phrase, almost an echoing piece of verbiage. First, it says regarding the Sanhedrin, it speaks about you will ascend the Makam HaMikdash, the Temple Mount, and listen to the Sanhedrin. Ascend to the place Hashem has chosen, the Makam HaMikdash, to in turn hear the Sanhedrin. They are operating from the place of Yivchar, the place of his chosenness. And then again, that same expression is, is used regarding the king. Som tasam ham... Som, as we have, I have up here on the board. Som tasam alacham melach asher yivchar Hashem lokechabo. Appoint the king Hashem has chosen. Hashem has chosen this king. That term chosen echoes of the phrase back to the Sanhedrin. They are operating from the locale that Hashem has chosen. And then again, we see the phrase regarding the Kohen and the passage of the Kohen's authority in our parsha. Ki bo bachar Hashem lokech, Hashem chose him. Not a coincidence, these phrases keep on, keep on appearing. It is an echo, it is a reverberation by design here. All of these figures who are divinely chosen are seen all together and are all seen in some sense operating from the zone of divine chosenness, just as the initial verse said regarding the Sanhedrin.
Now, elegant, cohesive, as our developments the Parsha might be, it is provocative, and especially to our 21st century years, living in an age where we have such skepticism, even cynicism towards authority. And here we are being told that all the Parsha's master plan, the Parsha's big picture vision, is the reverence of authority almost elevating them to divine-like positions. This flies in the face of all of our skepticism. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I would suggest the Parsha must somewhere contain the answer to this question. How can we revere Jewish authority figures this way? When human beings are so fallible, when human beings are so malleable to special interests and Yitzhahara and the like. How does this work? Well, we can all attest that when we have had parents, educators, rabbanim, figures in our life whose ethical standard was so above reproach, so above question, even when we per se had a problem with our decision, suspect them we didn't. It's so clear this is a, well, a, a well-meaning person, a sincere person. As leader, even if I disagree with a particular decision, I could bow and subdue myself if the overall conduct of behavior is the high moral ground. When you have leaders such as I'll mention one, you know, Rav Weinberg used to say about Rav Palm. Do you think Rav Palm spends a moment thinking about himself? Everyone in Rav Palm's sphere of influence, it's so clear, this was a selfless person. When you have leadership like that, yeah, then you can subordinate yourself and bow. If you do not have leadership like that, well, then it's very hard to do that. What I want to find in the Parsha is that this Parsha, which is oh so creating a system of such a degree of reverence for the authority figures is saying there's a condition here. This, is, this presupposes that the authority figures are conducting themselves with high moral ground. That it's a two-way street. They are respected when in turn they respect the system themselves. Hashem's system. Well, listen to an elegant textual pattern in our parsha, which brings this out. As mentioned earlier, in the beginning of the parsha regarding the Sanhedrin, we have the well-known pasuk, Lo saser min small. They're not from what they tell you, right or left. Totally subordinate yourself to Bezdin. Well, here the echo, the reverberation, later in the parsha about the Melech, the king, when the Torah says the king must write for himself a safer Torah, a Torah to serve as a moral compass, to rein in the king, to ensure his power won't corrupt, his absolute power won't corrupt absolutely. It says this moral compass, the Torah, the safer Torah of the Kohen, ensures Ulevilti sur min small, that he won't fear right or left. Hear the music, the unmistakable reuse of words, but now turning it on its head. In the first passage regarding the Sanhedrin, it spoke about 
the people not veering from the Sanhedrin's rulings right or left. Well, here it speaks about the authority figure himself or themselves not veering right or left from Torah precepts. Ulavilti sermon emits for Yom no small. No coincidence. This reuse of language now in the inverse sense. This is exactly the point. I suggest there's a symmetrical pattern here. The Torah is telling us. Do not veer right or left from the past and from the authority figures because they themselves, as represented by the king, don't veer from the Torah right or left. But there's a certain overall harmony to the system. If the Melech, if the Sanhedrin, if these figures are themselves reined in not veering from the Torah right or left, then in turn the people can be expected not to be a right or left. But if this equilibrium is broken, if there are scandals and the like, and the leadership is veering right or left, well, then the other side of the coin cannot be expected either that the people won't veer right or left. And this is a beautiful textual pattern when we reap something with the sensitivity and hear the music and listen to the rhythm of the psukim. It's a very, very powerful idea, really a prerequisite for successful leadership, and all of us are leaders to some degree, whether we're leaders of our families, of our business, of our shuls, and we ought to absorb this message. If we want our words to hold sway, we better conduct ourselves in a fashion, not that the people always agree with us, because that's soft leadership, that's weakness. No. Assert yourself even if the people, even if the followers will disagree, but have a standard of behavior that it's so clear you're ethical and you have the people's best interests in mind. There's another aspect to ethical leadership, leadership which is above reproach, which I think will explain in another pusik in our power show, which se- seemingly is a, is a loose strand, doesn't fit in. And that's as follows. True might is through compassion. Because I'll speak, frequently speak about Hashem, that his strength lies in his humility as in that he hears the cries of the vulnerable. Leadership which will be respected, or leadership which is to be revered as a leadership which hears the cries of the vulnerable. A leadership which respects the individual and does not allow the individual to be trampled on. For this reason, I would suggest, a very interesting pasuk appears in the parsha, And that is the mitzvah in our parsha called losasig vorayacha. Do not move boundary marks. Say there are two yards which abut each other. Do not allow the the stakes, the border marks, to be moved. Now, why does that mitzvah appear in our parasha, parasha Shoftim? It should appear in parasha's mishpatah, maybe, the individual laws of property, money. Why does it appear in Shoftim, the parasha, all about judges and authority figures? Well, I suggest the issue of losasig vorayacha, ensure that borders, border marks are not moved, is really a question of establishing makom, space for the individual. Do not move boundaries. Do not allow an individual's property and space to be encroached upon, is really saying, 
affirm each individual's makam, zone space, that no one can trample upon. This is not simply an individual law, but this is a greater motif of the role of Besden and the role of authority figures. Ensure no individual is trampled upon as represented by borders not being encroached upon. Borders rep- represent space, place, self, parameters. These are, of course, very hot words in the psycho- psychological world today. Personal space, boundaries, my sense of self, which is involatile. Well, all of that looms large in terms of the role of the shoftim, the role of the authority figures. If they are to be respected, is because they are fulfilling this mandate represented by Lusasid Volreyacha, do not allow individual space to be encroached upon. Really, look out for the individual. Do not allow the little guy to be run right over by the strong, by the mighty. And this is, this is the power of true, true ethical leadership, which in turn can be respected. A final dimension, we spoke about the placement of the Sanhedrin in the Mikdash, how the aura of the divine permeates the Bezdin. Now, till now, we interpreted that in terms of the reverence which the Sanhedrin commands, divine-like reverence. But I think there's another issue as well, and that is the Bezdin is handling very mundane Subjects, not issues necessarily of the mikdash, not issues of sanctity, but issues of the mundane. You might say issues of Main Street, as the pasuk says in our parsha regarding the Bezdin. Blood, fighting. Those are the things which Bezdin is dealing with. Well, those sort of stuff, Main Street mundane sort of issues are seen as sacred by Judaism, are ruled by a Bezdin in the Mikdash. Because in Judaism there is no realm of life which is profane. The mundane is not profane. The mundane actually is consummately holy. The Sanhedrin, which rules about torts, uh, property issues, and such things, they have a place in the Mikdash no less than the Kohen Gadda with his holy tefillah meditation and that's yet another theme of our parsha. The Bezdin and the Melech, those who are dealing with the mundane issues, they are part of this system of holiness. There's a, from this perspective, there's a certain splendid pattern following last week's parsha, Re'eh, which we explained last week how the parsha introduces the notion of Mikdash, that isolated, special, rarefied chamber of holiness. Here it, ter- it turns from Mikdash to Main Street, but tells us they are actually one of the same. They are actually deeply linked. The Sanhedrin, which rules about mainstream issues, is in turn placed in the Mikdash. And perhaps this notion of sanctifying Main Street, the Sanhedrin sorts of issues, seeing the potential for Avodah Hashem in the mundane, is reflected by the following textual pattern. There's a phrase which keeps on appearing early in our parasha, again and again and again. You can trace it at least four times. It speaks of the gate, Sha'aracha, Shoftim b'shotrim titim l'chal b'chal Sha'aracha. And then later on it speaks about 
about Kimatsi Bekir Bachad Sharacha, you see crime in the gate. And then it speaks about the execution chambers, you take the people who, who receive Skila El Sharacha. And then it speaks about later Benegla Nega Divri Rivos Bisharacha, there's fighting in the in the gate. Gate, 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 gate. And what's fascinating is this term, which keeps on appearing regarding the Pesdin, you can find sister references to gate regarding a Pesdin. Many Pesukim and Chazal, which speak about establishing the Bezdin in the court, the Bezdin in the gate. Interesting from this perspective that the Masechtas, which deal with monetary dispute, the subject of the Sanhedrin, are the Bavas. Bava Kam, above Metziah, above Basra. Bava, the word Bava in Aramaic, means a gate. I'll share with you a splendid discovery one step further, and that is. You can even find a ver- an unsuspecting, some unsuspecting verses in Sefer Bereshis, which seem to link the gate to a Bezdin. You have a verse concerning Lot, that he was sitting Bashar Sidon in the gate of Sidon, and Rashi says he was serving as a judge there. And you even find a more obscure reference in an earlier verse concerning Avraham Avinu in the beginning of Parshas Vayera, he was sitting by the door of his gate. Rashi says over there that Hashem told Avram in that context when he was sitting at the gate, Hashem said, Your children are going to be judges and my Shechina will be there. Well, interesting that seemingly from nowhere, Rashi B'Shem Chazal links a vision of the judges, the Sanhedrin, to a verse concerning Avram, who Yoshef Pesach Mayam, well, not no surprise anymore. He's sitting at the door, Yoshef Pesach, he's sitting at a door that is midrashically, I believe, the hint to the gate in which the Sanhedrin, in which Diana will sit. My point is we have, both in our parasha and beyond, really an, an, another splendid textual and midrashic pattern, which con- constant references to a gate regarding a Bezdin. Why? What is the significance? What is the meaning therein? This has much to do with what we were discussing, highlighting that the court is dealing with mundane Main Main Street sort of issues. The gate in ancient times represented the city. Think about the old city of Yerushalayim and and how it it became, it turned from a rural area to a commercialized city through its different gates. You have Shar Yafo, Shar Shechem, Right, the gate is the doorway into a built municipality. So the Sanhedrin and the gate, that shows the Sanhedrin are dealing with the issues of Main Street, the gate, the municipal structure. But you see, they're deeply aware of the issues of the gate. And at the same time, the Sanhedrin is, ultim- is physically situated in at least the, the highest court is situated in the Mikdash because there is this link between Mikdash and Main Street. The holy and the mundane are supposed to fuse in Yiddishkeit. And that is yet another aspect to this sanctification of the Dayanam. Yes, the reverence, but in particular the realization that the Bezdin's issues, monetary issues, the mundane in Judaism can be consummately holy, Several other textual patterns fall right into place from this perspective. Firstly, you will notice throughout our Parsha, again and again, it speaks of the Kohen 
issuing rulings along with along with the shofet, right? For example, for example, in the in the pesukim we learned regarding the Sanhedrin, it says v'kamta valisa el hashofet velakohen ashiyah v'yam mahen. The Sanhedrin would operate in unison with the kohen. Likewise, in the final passage of our parsha, Eglarufa, it speaks about the judge and the Kohen assessing the crime scene. Likewise, earlier in our parsha, there's a, there's a passage about waging war, and it speaks about the Kohen Meshuach Muhammad, the Kohen who leads the Jewish people in battle, issuing issuing um, battle cry preparations along with the Shofet or the Shotar, right? Kohen and Shofet are these two fused offices in our parsha. Well, that is supposed to reflect the Kohen with his realm of mikdash, karban, tefillah, meditation, along with the Shofet with his mainstream issues. It's really one big role. It's one big role, never allowing a bifurcation between mikdash and mainstream, between the holy and the mundane. And I'll share with you one final textual pattern which falls right into place here. And that is, there's a very strange group of three psukim towards the beginning of our parasha, Parakid Zayin, Psukim Aleph, through Gimel. Right in the middle of its discussion about Shoftim, Shotram, Bezdin, which it will proceed to discuss, we have spliced in three psukim about the Mizbeach. L'sizbach l'asham o'kachashar v'sah, ashiyah mum kol davarah, kima, and l'sat l'cha asher kolaitz, it speaks here of don't plant idolatrous trees, have altars rather than monuments, and then finally the verse we read, why are these psukma about carbono spliced right in the middle of the text about shoftim? Chazal make drashos on a level of trash, but I think on a level of pshat, the Torah is seeking yet again to infuse the judicial proceedings of the Bezdin with the spirit of the Mikdash of last week's parsha, It is through seeming distraction attracting our attention. In the middle of a discussion about Shoftim, it speaks of Mizbeach because it wants the spirit of Mizbeach to permeate the Dayanim. That here we have multiple clues throughout our parsha fusing Mikdash with Main Street. So we have two grand messages which emerge from our parsha. Our parsha, which is all about the, 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 to sum it up, the shoftim and the other authority figures bearing divine Shekhinah-like status. It is on one hand, as we began to develop, teaching us that authority figures can be in the image of Hashem. So long as they are keeping their side of the bargain, and they have highest standards of ethics, they exude the divine, and they ought to be respected that way, that's one. And number two, the realization that all authority figures, even the ones who are dealing with the most mundane issues, are holy just like the Kohen, be they a Melech, be they a Shofet, be they the political officials of state. Because all issues in Yiddishkeit are holy. Imagine a world where politics, the executive branch, is not a realm for the dirty wheeling and dealing, the smoke backseat room sort of things. Imagine a world with a melech, 
the Shoftim are consummately holy because as we began, began to trace in the Parsha, they comport themselves in a holy fashion. And moreover, because in Judaism, nothing is cheap. Nothing is political red meat. Everything is an opportunity for Kiddush Hashem. That's an, this is an inspiring vision of Jewish leadership, an inspiring vision of Jewish society, of Jewish civil dealings. May we see soon in our days the resumption of not only the Beis HaMikdash, but of a Torah Deca Jewish political state and civil society, which reflects these highest ideals and is able to hold the people's trust and the people's reverence and even the people's love. Amen. Keni Hiratzon.